Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. So you can appreciate yourself for having uh, survived your first day of meditation retreat. Uh, it could be there were some moments that you had some doubts about what you were up to or why you came here. Although uh, I think the landscape and nature at Spirit Rock is really delivering the spring, so uh, hopefully you can take some joy from the beauty of the greenness of the hills and the blue sky the birds, the nature, the streams running, too. So I thought I'd uh, talk a little bit about um, what we're up to here and the practice and some reflections about being on um, retreat as we uh, finish our first full day together. So this uh, practice that we're doing is from the Buddhist uh, tradition, and the Buddha was actually this historical person presented in statue back here, uh, who actually lived uh, 2,600 years ago in northern India. And he had some, uh, you could say like an existential quest he went on to understand uh, suffering, the end of suffering. So why is it that we get old, we get sick, we die? Why is there difficulty in life? And I know that many of you who have come here have been propelled by some experience in your own life uh, that is uh, related to this, that has proven, yeah, yeah there's, there's things in my life I cannot control, and there's a lot of difficulty there, uh, whether it's through having someone you know die uh, suddenly or through a long, painful process, whether it's losing a job or a relationship, Uh, whether it's your own health uh, or any number of other ways in which life doesn't follow our script. So the the Buddha went on his own uh, meditative quest to understand, and he attained that which is uh, referred to as awakening or enlightenment, and then that's what we're teaching here is the Dhamma, the teachings that are the truth of the way things are or about nature, in some way you could say. I like the translation of this as nature, um, particularly because I I love nature, but also uh, it suggests there's something that is there in everything that we can see. We can learn about this Dhamma, we can understand this in some way, uh, even through observation. And the practices that we're doing here of uh, vipassana, of mindfulness, of uh, collectedness of mind, concentration, shamatha, we're understanding this through a different way of knowing than thinking about it, than studying it in a book. So we're developing a way of understanding that's deeper than even our memory or even our strategies about how we think we should relate to something. So one of the uh, analogies I like for, you know, what is this Dhamma and how are we learning about it? What is this process? So we're, we're observing what it is that's happening in our body, in our mind, uh, through these practices of sitting and walking. 
And then through that, we can see into some uh, principles that we understand, we can, can learn to understand on even a deeper than intellectual level. And if we can live in alignment with these principles, then we can lead much happier lives with less suffering. Uh, we cause less suffering for others, uh, basically more harmonious. It doesn't mean that the same things don't happen, like that you will get old or get sick or uh, something happens to your car or something like that, but you will deal with this in a very different way. So the analogy uh, to use is to understand uh, the law of gravity, for example. And when babies are very small, they don't understand the law of gravity. And you might see small children sometimes experimenting with this in their high chair. So maybe they're sitting there and they might uh, you know, drop something off and watch it fall. Right? And then, like, oh, what happens if you do it on this side? It's like, same thing happens, right? And then what happens if you're not looking when you do it? Like, okay, same thing happens. So then after a while, you get the picture. Like, if you try to place something in midair, you know, like, it's likely to fall, and you don't even have to understand why. You don't have to understand the mathematical equation for that. You don't have to understand if somebody is running that somewhere. Uh, you just have to understand the principle and how to live in alignment with that. So then, if I take a drink from the glass of water, I know it's better to place it here, on the table, because if I try and place it here, in midair, the same thing will happen that happened to all these things. It will fall. There will be broken glass and splashed water on these people in the front row and a big mess. So this is uh, like the Dhamma. There are principles about the way that life is. There are principles about the way that uh, experiential reality is uh, that we don't fully understand because we haven't fully investigated them. And so we're knocking around doing our best to find some sense of stability, happiness, uh, well-being in this life. But we're kind of knocking things off uh, and they're falling and we don't even understand why. And once we start to understand these laws, then even if sometimes something, you know, accidentally will fall like that, then we can just pick it up and put it back. And the thing that is... uh, missing is the aspect of taking it very personally. You know, we might have forgotten for a moment that would happen, but when it happened, we knew what was happened. It reminded us, like, oh yeah, that's something that could happen. So we don't have to have the added layer of, like, why me? Why now? Why did that fall? Right? So it's okay, right? It's just a piece of paper that falls like that. So what are these aspects that we learn uh, through our observation? So we're paying attention here today uh, very closely to the body, to the experience of the body, breathing, uh, to walking back and forth. It seems pretty simple. And we're developing also this uh, collectedness of attention, uh, shamatas, collectedness, uh, concentration, a sense of calm abiding. So settling the mind in, settling the attention. And this is in some ways like um, allowing us to have a certain stability or uh, sort of clarity of, of water, even, you could say, uh, that will allow us to see well. And a lot of the different things that are uh, being done in the retreat are actually oriented towards facilitating this kind of calm abiding. So this includes like not talking to each other. 
uh, not taking in uh, news or email or texts or stuff like that. Uh, so all of that stuff, as it comes in, uh, kind of ruffles the mind, right, in small and big ways. So I'm in a little digital and communication detox for three days. And uh, in case you have not done that, I highly recommend you do this, or you try this for three days for uh, the sake of your own practice and stability of mind. And then we can apply this to seeing, you know, what is the nature of uh, our body? You know, what is the nature of the mind? How does it happen that we get into kerfuffles in our life? So we can, as we pay attention, we can start to see, like, oh, actually everything is changing. Everything that we call ourselves in our body, in our mind, is actually in a constant state of change. In fact, there's no solidity to anything in the experiential world. As we tune into that, both internally and externally, we can start to get a sense of the unreliability of experiential phenomenon. So the unreliability of experience as a place to rest our wish for permanent happiness, for well-being. And we can see through also the idea that there is some me who is an independent, unique, permanently abiding entity who either is in control of all that which happens to me or who is even receiving and uh, having things done to oneself. So there's no me, there's no me who owns something, uh, there's no mine in a certain way of speaking. And as we let go of that, then uh, we can enter into this deep sense of well-being. Uh, we can have some access to a contentedness, a happiness that's beyond all of the changing circumstance beyond all the changing circumstance of your own body and health, beyond all the changing circumstance of political happenings this way and that, beyond the weather, uh, beyond what's served for lunch. So this uh, weekend, uh, I went on a a cycling trip uh, from San Francisco around the bay a little bit to Tiburon, Some of you may have done this uh, cycle trip. It's a beautiful one. Go along the Embarcadero and then through the Presidio over the Golden Gate Bridge, along these uh, houseboats near Sausalito and then around Tiburon. And uh, my friends and I uh, who went, we got there a little bit early and so uh, for the ferry to come back to San Francisco. So we decided to stop and um, have some tacos before coming back. And... uh, at this point is when I decided to uh, lock our bikes together. And as I was trying to lock the bikes together, um, my keys fell into the bay. Uh. So uh, the, uh, it was very interesting, the moment of this happening. <laughs> you know, like I, the key was not lodged in the bike lock as uh, tightly as I thought. So it's just a slight tip that happened. It's just like this gravity thing and, you know... <laughs> Boom, like they, they fell in. And I, I saw them go in, the little splash as they went. Uh, and um, my immediate reaction was actually a little bit of like humor. You know, it just seemed a little bit funny that this happened. Like, huh? Yeah. And, uh, and a little surprise. 
And then I wondered for a moment if I should dive in after them. Uh, but then I looked at the water, and it's very like green and murky there. Uh, and I didn't have any goggles, so then that seemed like a bad idea. Even though I can swim pretty well, like I didn't know how deep it is, or you know, already even in a few seconds, I know because I understand gravity that they're like <laughs> deep down, right? So the owner of the restaurant came and then um, said, you know, what happened? And then they said, let's see if we can find the harbor master to uh, look at this. And then uh, it turned out the harbor master is off on the weekend, so basically the keys were uh, sunk. So then uh, we went and had tacos. And uh, <laughs> in the, um, later on, my friend went to the bathroom and she said, you know, everyone could see this. They were on this uh, you know, patio, like everyone's eating their tacos and stuff. And uh, there's nothing else going on, so this was a bit of a spectacle. So uh, my friend said she went to the bathroom and one of the people said, are you with that group that the, someone dropped their keys in the bay? And she said, yes. She said, well, why was, why was she so calm? Like, I would have... <laughs> I said, I would, have, I would have been freaking out. That's like crazy. And my friend was like, well, she did a kind of meditation for about 25 years. So. <laughs> and the person actually said, uh, wow, that's a great advertisement for meditation. <laughs> <laughs> what kind does she do? <laughs> so I tell you this story not for the self-aggrandizement, but uh, <laughs> uh, I would actually say it is something about um, you know, practice that can help the mind to be stable. Uh, when there are things that happen that are uh, surprising in life, right? And uh, I don't know, you know, if you had asked me, like, even the day before, like, oh, uh, if you drop your keys in the bay, how would you react, <laughs> right? <laughs> I couldn't really predict, like, would I be upset? Would I think it was funny? Would I be okay, you know? Um, but in seeing it happen, there's a way in which, um, through the practice, you know, through having seen, basically, the same principle of change, of unexpectedness, you know, of the way in which uh, circumstances are not in our control. You know, having observed this over and over and over again, uh, the mind becomes oriented in some way towards that truth. So I think, you know, I don't know totally what happened in that moment in the mind, but there's some way in which the delight was like a reminder. It's like, oh yeah, everything's not under your control, like boom, you know. So would it happen again? Like, I don't know. Don't test me by throwing my keys into the water, but uh, (laughs) I can't say for sure. You know, I can't say like, oh, every time something happens, the mind will be totally solid. But it's it's nice to see when that happens that it's possible, you know. Um, And it wasn't actually even because, like, I had some long period of practice right before that. So we had just biked 30 miles, which... uh, at some point in my life would have not made me tired, but uh, <laughs> at this point in my life, we were all like pretty tired. Uh, so I can't say it was like the best circumstances of physical and mental uh, well-being, you know. But the kind of um, effect that the practice can have on your ability to meet life, to meet surprising circumstances like this, you know, uh, is something that's there beyond all of this, too. You know, I have like a deep uh, trust and faith from this. Uh, not just from this example, but from many, many examples of my life when things happen unexpectedly, Uh, and also from observing others who have done practice. Now, many of you who have come back again know this, right? So that's why you come back and retreat. You know the power of the practice and the ability to uh, help us to access that, to develop a heart and mind that has a stability, uh, and even a sense of openness and kindness with it. 
But it could be very well that having sat here for uh, many hours today, uh, you feel a little bit far from that. So it could be that the knee pain or the momentum of mind from uh, the chaos of your work or relationships or any number of things is actually plaguing you. And it might feel like, oh, this, this thing you're talking about, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible for me. I don't know if this is accessible for me. Like, uh. So I want to uh, give you some encouragement that um, all beginnings can be challenging. And this is true on retreat, and this is true on retreat even if this is your 10th retreat, uh, or if it's your first retreat. So we're coming into a new situation, and it really can take a while for the body to settle down and get used to what's happening, uh, for the mind to also be able to develop some amount of stability and calm, to be able to even connect with an object like the breath or a step for more than like half a second. So if that's your experience, then you are in the normal zone for human beings. Uh, So be very patient and be very persistent. And that's the recipe, really, for uh, this, this practice. Just patience, persistence, uh, openness, curiosity, and humility, too, I'd say. So some of the things that you might have encountered, common challenges. Uh, certainly uh, sleepiness. So I talked about this in the uh, 4 o'clock uh, sitting period, which became the 4 o'clock standing period. Uh, And you should all feel welcome to do the standing practice uh, whenever it seems useful. And in some ways we're starting to learn about the climate, you could say, uh, of the mind and the body. And we're probably learning about it in ways that we usually don't have to face it. So a part of the uh, conditions of retreat is that... uh, We've removed a lot of the usual things that you might go to for uh, comfort, relief, uh, and reorientation in some way. And the idea with that is actually to simplify and to help us to learn. So it's not meant to be uh, like cruel or something in some way. So for example, even the very basic posture that we take of like sit in one place for 45 minutes, sit for for Uh, 45 minutes without moving, if you can. So that could seem like a cruel and strange thing to do to a person, a dog, a child, right, to ask you to do that. So why why would he do this? Why would he take this posture, right? So partly it's to actually reveal the different aspects of how the mind and body work that otherwise it's very easy for us to ignore, for us not to see. And it's all oriented towards helping us to see Uh, this vipassana, insight, see clearly into the nature of the way things are. So as part of this experiment of seeing things throwing up in the air and falling repeatedly. So you notice how you try and sit there quite still and no one's bugging you, and yet very quickly you become bugged. (laughs) So what is that? That What is the mechanism of bugging that happens, right? What are the ingredients for uh, the bugginess to appear? Because it could seem quite fine, like just sit here, do nothing, 
no one's asking you to work right now, right? Breathe. So you see, okay, so the circumstances of the body can become not to my liking. The circumstances of the mind can become not to my liking. So even in that is revealed something that's true all the time, that you're not actually the puppet master of your physical experience or even your mental experience. Um, but it's very easy for us to gloss that over and to think like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in control, I'm healthy, I'm in control, I'm sane, so I uh, run the thoughts in my mind. Yeah, after even a couple of sittings, it's pretty clear that's not true, isn't it? So you would not have scripted to uh, sit there breathing a little bit, then to remember something that you forgot to do at work, uh, then to start itching, uh, then to uh, start worrying about the future, then to remember again you're meditating, then to decide, start to consider what shoes to wear when you go out of here, then to start ruminating about lunch, then to have another itch. So... uh, this is kind of like how everyone's experience is to some extent or another. There can be more um, wider range of things like um, obsessive jealousy or you know, incredible sadness about things that happened, great regrets about stuff that you've done, remembering hurts that other people have done to you. Right? Uh, so this is what happens when we sit there. We can start to observe this, this sort of unwinding of the, the mind, the body in this way. And we can start to explore and to know this landscape, if you will. You know, then the weather patterns that move through. So sleepiness is one of them. Uh, the opposite side is restlessness. So you might have had this, a sense of uh, feeling like you want to jump out of your skin, like you can't sit here for the long time. Maybe you're silently, psychically willing uh, us to ring the bell, like, right? Uh, which probably doesn't work too often, right? And this can happen the restlessness of the body and the restlessness of the mind. So partly what we're doing is, is learning to be with and to uh, learn how to work with all of these different energies that come through, partly by recognizing that uh, that which is moving through is not actually us. It's not me, it's not mine. So kind of in the same way that we don't have to get upset that it's getting dark now or that it gets a little bit windy, Uh, These are just uh, issues of the weather, the climate, uh, in the daytime, in the nighttime like this. So we can observe, like, oh, okay, now there's this wave of sleepiness. We can actually investigate this using our awareness. Like, what does sleepiness feel like? What is this like in the body? What is this like in the mind? Does sleepiness fall from the top to the bottom like a curtain? And does it move out from the center like this? Is the body sleepy only and the mind is awake? Or is the mind sleepy and the body is awake? How far does the sleepiness go? Are my toes sleepy? Is my nose sleepy? So how would I know this? So the answer is to bring awareness. And it can be kind of fun you know, to, to have some curiosity about these aspects that happen to us and we kind of take for granted in our life, but using awareness to actually explore this, so to know, to become familiar with these energies that move through us. Sleepiness, for example, is something that 
probably happens at least once, if not twice a day. Right? We always fall asleep, maybe, and then wake up again. Hopefully every day, every night. So what is that? You know, what is the difference between being asleep and being awake? I can explore this, not through thinking about it, but through awareness, you know, recognition of the energy of the body of the mind. So similarly with this restlessness, uh, with the sleepiness, the recommendation was open the eyes, stand up. Uh, with restlessness, you don't need to do those things, but you can actually imagine expanding out your awareness itself so that it's as large as this room. So you're still sitting like this, but instead of maybe trying to hold tight to the breath when it feels like the body is really jumpy, the mind is jumpy, you could imagine expanding out. So then you're holding experience within a very, very large container of awareness. And then within that, you can just allow the experience of the body and the mind to unfold. So almost like feeling like popcorn is popping, like all the different thoughts are the experience of the body being restless. So just allow that in a very spacious container like that. So if you're not sure how to do that, um, i give some, maybe an example that could be helpful. So uh, you might notice here I'm holding up this striker, and it's possible for you to look at that striker, to focus on this thing, right? So you can see it, hold it up higher. Um, But it also is possible that you could kind of soften your gaze to take in this entire tableau here. So you could see, you know, the stage and the altar and the lights, uh, and also the striker. Uh, But the striker is sort of one thing in this sort of larger picture when you soften and open the gaze. So you're still aware of that, but it's in a much wider uh, container, you could say, right, in which it allows for many more things. So in this way, too, you can practice if there's a lot of restlessness, you know, kind of expanding the field. The metaphor that the Buddha gave for this was like if there's a horse that's very uh, jumpy and kicking around, uh, and this is the mind in this metaphor, so then how do you uh, help it to settle? If you put it in a small pen, then it'll kick around and get even more uh, anxious and Restless, but if you actually put it in a large field and let it like buck and jump and all this stuff, yeah, after a while maybe it'll sort of buck, buck less, and then kind of like settle down and be okay. So, expanding awareness with restlessness, large space too. And know this with curiosity, with interest. You know, there's a way in which it can be considered a obstacle to meditation, but. Uh, One of the aspects of this vipassana is uh, using our curiosity and awareness to uh, check into and to see all of these different states. And that which I have been describing of seeing that this is not me, this is not mine, it's an energy that's moving through, it's not stable, it's not reliable. So all of this can be seen in any of these states that seem mundane. So some of you who have uh, practiced before might be uh, getting a hint of what some themes might be I'm talking about. And you're like, oh, the five hindrances. Yeah, I've heard this before. I know this talk. Yeah, But uh, actually, I want to speak to you now, specifically, you returners. 
because uh, there are a few common pitfalls that you might fall into in coming on retreat. One of them uh, we call uh, affectionately sometimes the dragging the corpses of your past retreat with you. <laughs> so what this means is that uh, you have had uh, probably some previous retreat experience that felt like it was useful or good or uh, interesting or something, which is you know why you're a returner to the uh, retreat container. Uh, but then, see if this is familiar to you, you spend a lot of time uh, trying to get back to that experience. You're just waiting for that same experience of uh, whatever it might be, you know, uh, extreme calm or light or clarity or this particular insight that I had that was so cool. And then uh, you might find yourself doing things like uh, you try to find the exact same place that you were sitting. Uh, you try to walk in the same walking path. You try to find the same seat in the dining hall, you know. Uh, you're trying to find the conditions, but <laughs> it doesn't seem to be working. So the last time you came, you had one experience that may be very joyful, or even sometimes it's one that was very cathartic from a lot of suffering. Uh, but then this time you arrive, and uh, yeah, what seems to be delivered is not the same. The teachers are not the same. Your body isn't showing up the same. Uh, mind isn't the same. So this is dukkha, this is suffering. (laughs) This is where uh, we are trying again to be sort of the puppet master in a more subtle and spiritualized way, uh, but still trying to control experience. Meantime, usually right in front of you is something to pay attention to. Uh, And it's probably something good. Uh, Good doesn't always mean pleasant good. but it's something uh, helpful that you can learn from. This could be as mundane as uh, body pain. Uh, This could be sleepiness, restlessness. Uh, This could be having some uh, vipassana romance or vendetta uh, that you had not seen before. Uh, This could be being lost in uh, fantasy a lot. Uh, So any of this is actually totally fair game for learning a lot, and in fact, seeing completely through to full awakening. We are looking for some like beatific experience to come, but anything is possible to see through. Sometimes, uh, for those who have been on retreats before, or even for new people, uh, you get into this game of uh, thinking the people around you are having a different and better experience than you, uh, based on like how they seem to be sitting, or walking, or really it's complete projection. <laughs> it's really based on nothing. Right? So this whole piece that I've been talking about to me is like, uh, you're in the Dharma cafeteria, and you get served something, and you keep thinking, like, I want what's on his plate. right? <laughs> and then what happens is you usually get a second scoop of what you had before. You're like, no, but I want what's on third scoop. right? <laughs> so the way it seems to work is you don't get anything new until you eat what's on your plate. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, usually somehow some way this goes is something's up there and then you feel like it's not worthy of your attention you were wanting to pay attention to something else you're wanting to have a different experience uh, you have then aversion or resistance to this there's another common uh, difficulty to settling right? Uh, 
And then that happens over and over and over again until finally you, you remember a little bit, like, oh, maybe this is resistance. Like, oh, maybe that's what this is. Oh, maybe I should be paying attention to this. So then, as humbling as that may be, that's what to do. So pay attention. So, oh, this is resistance. So this is what it feels like in the body. This is what it feels like in the mind. And this is the pain of that leaning, of that contraction. Then, as you pay attention to that, you can see, like, oh, this also is just an energy pattern. This, too, is not inherently me or mine. Uh, as I pay attention to it, it also dissolves. And then there's something uh, else there to see or to know. So this sense of the, the mind off balance here, the leaning, and it could be either a desiring for something or a pushing away of something. I want this other experience to be happening. I don't want this current experience to be happening. So this is a key place to attend for the possibility of freedom, this liberation that we've been referring to. So usually our uh, recipe for well-being is like, I'll be happy when I get everything that I want. Uh, I'll be happy when uh, everything happens to me that I like to have happen to me. Uh, when my body acts in exactly the way I want it to be, when my hair looks the way I want it to look, when people only say things that I want them to say to me, uh, in the exact tone I want them to say them, at the exact time I want them to say them. Uh, everyone that I, have, uh, that I like uh, likes me. I only get the work that I want. Um, the weather is according to my wishes. Uh, everyone I vote for is elected into office. <laughs> everyone I, I do not vote for has no chance of getting into office, you know, and so on, right? So as I say it that way, you can hear, like, wow, that's a very fragile recipe for happiness and well-being. Right? Um, but for most of us, that's kind of the default state. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't get haircuts or vote or you know, do anything like that, but you can do all that with some a groundedness of understanding that that's only part of the equation for what actually turns out. So you can do your best to try and do good things in the world and take care of yourself and uh, also understand like everything's not totally under your control. So the trick with this, particularly this uh, desire aversion kind of axis, the mind wobbling like this, is that we get caught up in thinking um, the problem, i.e. the reason I'm not feeling okay now, is because I don't have this thing that I want. And that could be, uh, you know, we'll put it in the retreat context, like the walking space that I wanted, or uh, the last banana, uh, or, uh, you know, any number of things like that. Or it's that, like, I have this thing that I don't want, and i got to get rid of that. So one place to be curious and put attention is, as this plays out in our lives, um, notice how there is a constantly changing object that drops into this slot. And it's almost like insert photo here, right? You know, like they have in some places, insert photo here for thing that is uh, making my life not work, okay. So then it's like, oh, if only for this, if, if only not for this blank, or if only I had this blank, everything would be okay. Right? 
interesting things to notice in this dynamic. One is when we occasionally forget about that <laughs> for whatever reason, like we see a turkey or something. And then we forget that we d- were pining away after something else. Um, and suddenly, like, we're back to being okay again, but we didn't actually get the object that our mind was sure is the only thing we needed to be happy, and we didn't have it. So notice that with, with humor and love for the mind, you know, for this uh, antics of the unawakened mind that's convinced that we needed the last banana or we needed to walk there or, you know, whatever it is. And see how, like, oh, actually, that too is illusion. You know, in fact, the thing that is keeping us off balance, the thing that is causing suffering itself, the impediment to well-being is actually the leaning itself. So it's actually the desire or the aversion that is the state of being out of balance. So tuning in as best we can to feeling like, what does it feel like when we're off balance? And noticing that and not being duped as much, if we can, by the object here. You know, what this is supposed to be, what we're supposed to get or become. And it takes some uh, collectedness of mind to be able to see this on more and more subtle levels. So here's where we're practicing this shamatha vipassana, this calm abiding, uh, and then applying that to understanding, to gaining these kinds of insight. So the morning uh, session, I think at the end of the first sitting, I said, like, okay, so I'm going to ring the bell, and then uh, you know, shift your attention to the sound of hearing. And I don't know if anyone noticed, I waited a little bit before ringing the bell. And uh, sometimes you could notice in that moment, because you were told the bell's going to ring, there's like a leaning for the bell. Like the mind is like, not just resting open to receive the sound of the bell, right? But pushing towards it in some way that does not actually make the bell ring any faster or louder. Or sometimes you might notice in your walking path, as Will was describing, like... You're walking along, and then there's some leaning to get to the end of the walking path. It's like a habitual rushing that's there. And it's so uh, poignant to see that, because what's going to happen when you get there? Like, you're just going to turn around and come right back, you know? (laughs) And there's a painfulness in that leaning. Notice what it feels like to be, like, out of balance, out of alignment in that way. We don't need to judge ourselves for it or hate ourselves for it because that too is not a me, our mind. So that too is just an energy that's moving through. To be understood, uh, to be experienced for exactly just what, what it is, which is a movement of energy that's not me, not mine, not permanent. So I think this is true, that I can draw a parallel between uh, you know, this very mundane activity of sitting here and breathing and paying attention in this way, developing this stability of mind and then being curious and interested to understand uh, the way things are in our lives. And I think I can draw the parallel between that and watching your keys fall into the bay and it being in some ways still okay, even though it's not ideal. And then this can serve you even in larger cases. So, you know, keys in the bay is a fairly somewhat mundane thing, but I found out recently also that uh, a friend of mine from uh, grad school had passed away. 
and uh, we knew each other from playing sports, and he was a very vigorous, uh, active guy. And he got um, pancreatic cancer, uh, which is a very quick killer. He was given only one year to live, and then uh, he died uh, within two. And to see the shape of him as he, he really kind of sunk back into um, a skeletal uh, figure from an extremely vigorous, healthy guy. Uh, this too is a reminder, you know, the same thing in a deeper, more substantial level. Like, all of our lives are fragile. You know, all of those that we love, our lives are fragile. And we don't know uh, what's going to happen. Great things can happen and tragic things can happen. If we cultivate this path of awareness, we can be present more for the beautiful things. We can actually appreciate much more our time with those that we love and pay attention better. Uh, We can be there to notice the nature and to be even more effective in all the good work we're trying to do. And then we can also have a stability of heart and mind that can deal better uh, with great tragedies and difficulties of our life. Uh, both for our own well-being and then also so we can support uh, other people as well. So my favorite um, quote about practice, this has been for a number of years now, is from uh, Bruce Lee, the martial artist. And he said, Under duress, we do not rise to the level of our expectations, but we fall to the level of our practice. Under duress, we do not rise to the level of our expectations, but we fall to the level of our practice. So when times get difficult, uh, when life delivers you some sideways blow that you didn't expect, you know, at that time, the mind falls back to what the habits are, you know, what you've learned, you know, the ways that you've, you've gained wisdom and uh, this stability of heart and mind. So this is a beautiful opportunity on retreat where uh, your only job is to be present and to uh, be learning and growing in this way. So in case you've had doubt that uh, maybe you should have been doing something else these days, uh, I hope I've encouraged you that you're in the right place. You've made a very good choice for how to spend a few days as a human being. And uh, just be very patient with your heart, with your mind, uh, with each other and allow things to unfold. So we can just sit together for a moment here. Let the words fall away. Connect again with your own heart, your own breathing body. Feeling and remembering with poignancy the fragility of our life and the lives of those around us. We appreciate our own good intentions for our practice.
can take our resolve to continue as best we can for our own benefit and for the benefit of all those who we'll encounter in our lives from this day forward. May we all see through the temporary arisings and connect with the deepest abiding of well-being, a happiness beyond all changing circumstance that's there for all of us. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.